good afternoon everybody welcome to the two states podcast show with myself mark c and my co-host mark h hey mark how you doing yeah i'm doing all right yeah, it's been a bit of a, an up and down week <laughs> I mean, <laughs> such as fortunes are following so far uh, absolutely right but um yeah i mean obviously on saturday i was on the sunnier side of the street and then on on Wednesday evening, a little bit of rain fell down. To be fair, yeah, it was kind of um, we went from walking on sunshine to rain on me, didn't we? <laughs> <laughs> but um, but I hope all the listeners are keeping safe and well, mate, and uh, you know, looking after each other. Absolutely right, absolutely right. So, we've got a treat for you today. Coming up in the first half of today's show, the two Saints review of Sheffield United nil, Saints 2, and Man City 5, Saints 2, plus Saints Club News. So, we'll start with the two Saints review of Sheffield United nil, Saints 2. Adam's stunner helps Saints blunt blades. Ralph Hasenhutl's reaction to that, and Shay Adams' reaction to that as well. So... Wasn't bad, Mark, was it? Absolute stunner from Shay Adams. I swear yeah, he's got a traction oh, engine mate. attached to that foot. <laughs> I, mean, that one out. I mean, the Man City goal was brilliant, right? But it was just, it was just, it was, I, I know you're going to touch on it because he says it in the interview, right? But it, it is true. As soon as it left this boot, you knew where it was going. It, it was just one of those. The technique was a dream. I mean... Yeah, he pretty much I said mean, the second it left his foot, he knew where it was going. And it spot on. The, the, the thing... And the other thing I want to say about Shea is, I mean, to me, I, I get that people want them to be scoring more goals at this level. I get all of that. But you look at the goals that he does score, right? And you look at... You look at his all-round contribution, right? And it baffles me, even when he's struggling for a bit of form, it still baffles me that Ralph leaves him out. Honestly, because I I just sit there and I think to myself, well, if if Danny Ings isn't scoring, right, and James Ward-Prowse isn't scoring his his obligatory free kicks, right, who's your next big biggest goal threat? Yannick Festing, oh. God. <laughs> no, but you you know what I mean. And, and I just, I base it on that, you know. And then, and then obviously you've got Yannick Festing, God, people like Stuart Adams will chip in me, or Stuart Armstrong, sorry, will chip in me a few goals. But I just, sometimes when I see that he's not in the starting lineup and he's sat on the bench, so it's not it's not injury related, and I, I sort of sit there and I think, you can't afford to leave any sort of goal threat, as I no, look at it, out of your team, you know? No, you can't. No, I agree with that. Well, and the thing is, as well, with Danny Ings being injured as well now, it's Shay's chance to say, look, I can lead the line. And if Danny Ings does leave, that's what he's going to be doing, isn't it? He will be leading the line. So for me, it's it's an ideal opportunity for Shay Adams to stamp his authority and make a mark and go, you know, look, I'm here. This is what I can do. And I think a little bit of working on his finishing in the box, and we'll have a we'll have a really good goal scorer on our hands. It's, it's and we've got a great player there. Anyway, let's get to the game. So, oh yes, I've I've got to start with right. I mean, I just want to paraphrase this very quickly. Right, I have to say Nathan Teller had an excellent game, yeah. and he unlike 
some of the other prospects in the under-23s. He looks like the one that might actually take up the mantle and run with it. Um, he had a he had an excellent game for Saints. Only slight criticism would be right about ten minutes into the game. He's in prime position, right? And all I'll say about the shot is um, apparently on Saturday evening the Hubble telescope seen it on the way to the moon I think but um, apart from that he, he had an excellent game um, I think the the thing that we all noticed was obviously it was a second string derby defence but you can only beat what's in front of you and they struggled with his pace yeah, they did. the whole game the whole game yeah, they they no, it was a constant threat well, he, he actually backed up, Nathan Teller actually backed up what I was saying to you a while ago about Nathan Redbin and Gineppo, about the fact that they're both, when they're direct, a real threat. And they would have been a threat in that game if they were doing the same things as Nathan Teller. Nathan Teller's doing exactly what I said to you, Nathan Redmond should be doing. You know, and he's making an impact, and he is making an impact. And he did have a great game, and a penalty. Obviously, we scored from that. Shay Adams then follows it up with that absolute stunner. And it was just, the first time I saw that, it was just pick it out. <laughs> exactly where that was going. The most, the most disappointing thing from my point of view would have been in that last 20 minutes. I mean, don't get me wrong. I felt the first half was very even Stevens, Mark, right? They actually had more chances than us. Yeah. Uh, I, re- I really did. I mean, there was that opportunity, opportunity McGoldrick had, and he decided to chip it in the Fraser's arms, which was the fortuitous. <laughs> the know, um, and, and there was one or two other, you know, occasions in the first half. But in the second half, when Shea scored the goal, we were dominant. I mean, we were, yeah. we were absolutely dominant. And I questioned, you know, you and me coming out with draw, predictions obviously <laughs> it was nerves getting the better of us yeah, right i think it was you know um because how dare we doubt the team was, was we didn't want to lose how dare and, we doubt uh, our I team feel, <laughs> i can feel that coming on for the brighton prediction as well you know but anyway um what what i would say is is when you look in the second half and you look at the array and i mean the array of chances we had i mean milamidu uh, Armstrong, Janepo, uh, because we had we had Janepo and Shea Adams basically in more or less in the same spot. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, both had great chances. Nathan Redmond was down that side as well. He had another great chance. Um, and like I said, Lilbinu and and Stuart Armstrong, and really. You know, <coughs> On another day, it could have been five. Oh, easily, easily. Yeah, um, it's yeah, it's. I mean, Saints should not try in nine Premier League matches. So nine Premier League matches without a win for Saints heading to Bramwell Lane. They emphatically ended that streak. To be fair, it was emphatic in the end. Two nil for Saints was quite emphatic, considering the chances Sheffield United at the start of the game. Um, it was pretty. In fact, to be fair, Ralph Hassan actually said, we're still not on the highest level, but it's important to have the first win after a long time. Um, he said it's very good, definitely. After a long, long time without a win, it's always important to get that first one. I think it's a deserved one today. Yeah, I couldn't yeah, argue with Ralph on that. Absolutely. He's absolutely bang on. Yeah, 100%. And, um, yeah, Shay Adams, um, 
knew the shot was destined for the top corner the second it left his boot. Yeah, I'm right with you, Shay, because as soon as you hit it, I thought, pick that one out. <laughs> it was, it was I mean, I mean, I know a lot was said about the City goal, but that, that goal on Saturday, and I know people make more of the City goal because of the opposition as well. Yeah. But I, I don't think I've seen a better goal. I mean, you're probably right. For a while, for, yep. for Saints, for a while like that. I'd agree with it was, that. Agree it with was that. just, and it was plumb. You you could see the way he shaped oh. as well, that it was, he was going to hit a plumb. Yeah, I mean, he, um, he, he sort of gestured to Armstrong to lay it back for him. Stuart Armstrong just yeah. chested it brilliant, beautiful control yeah, from Armstrong. Chest it brilliantly, yeah. one bounce, and Adams is onto it, bang. Um, yeah. yeah, it's a phenomenal assist, to be fair, but what a strike. Um, absolutely brilliant. Nobody was saving that. I don't think even David De Gea would have saved that. It and, was absolutely it, was, it was fitting that, I suppose, in, in some ways, it was fitting that that was the last goal of the game, you know? Oh, absolutely. Um, given Definitely. that Shea had gone through a bit of a barren spell himself. In fact, yeah, it's ironic as well, because he doesn't score many, but I'll tell you what, they're stonkers when he scores them. Oh, God, are they ever, mate. Are and then he goes ever? on a run as well. He's now, he's yeah. well, we'll get on to it in a minute, but yeah. he does go on a little run, doesn't he, he, once he scores. Say it. He's now scored two and two. So he's now scored two and two, because he obviously got on the score sheet against yeah, Man City. That, that's the thing, he goes, the thing yeah. is, is he, and I think, I, I think we'll better get ready for it during his career with Saints, you know. Yeah. I think he's one of those players that's going to go on a run of scoring, and then he'll have periods where he don't, he won't score for a while, you know. Can I just point something out to people as well? And I think we'll combine the Man City review that we're doing as well, Mark. We'll combine it in with the Sheffield United one because yeah, both games fine. were together anyway. That's so we'll fine. do that. We'll combine the two. Um, for me, if anyone remembers James Beattie when he first started out at Saints, he was a bit like that. He scored in fits and starts. He'd go on a little run, four or five games, he'd score a few. Then he'd go a bit quiet. Then he'd score another four or five, go a bit quiet again. It was only really two seasons his entire career at Saints that Beatty was actually quite prolific. The rest of the time, he was a bit like Shea. He didn't score. And it's ironic as well yeah. that he was his coach at Birmingham and Shea Adams scores in a similar sort of vein in the fact that he scores some crackers like Beatty used to do. Yeah. But also, like Beatty in his early career, he wasn't scoring every game. No, no, so it's, it's ironic that his coach at Birmingham, Mark, he's almost a model of him, isn't he, in a way? Yeah, you can almost, you can almost sort of track i mean i don't want to get too much into no, the no, no, thing, no. but it's a good analogy mark right yeah. um what i would say is is that when he was at the dell he scored every so often yeah right and then when he moved to St. murray's he definitely became more prolific during yeah. during the St. murray's period you know um I mean, again, you know, you're you're so right in what you say because, you know, Shea Adams is a little bit of a mirror, really, because, you know, James scored some cracking goals, much in the same way that Shea does. And yeah. it's ironic that you say, you know, coached coached by him at Birmingham yeah. for a while, you know, and, 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 you know, the similarities are kind of uncanny. Oh, but, no. you know, just going on, I mean... The Man City game, you know, if we're combining the two, yeah, yeah, yeah. All, all I'm, all I'm going to say on the Man City game is, it was. I think I was frustrated, to be honest. Um, yeah, I would agree with that. The first thing to point out is, you know, the people that were calling for it, 
it's been tried Oof. and we found out that it doesn't work, okay? Yep. Because for even before Ralph joined the club, right, there was a core of our supporters, right, whether they were the minority or the majority, but there was definitely a core of our supporters that was calling for Jack Stevens to be yep. used as a defensive midfielder, okay? Yep. Now, Ralph has tried that, and I think it's been well and truly put to bed. You know, if we're if yep. we're going to play Jack Stevens in the future, right? If we're going to play him in the future, he plays at centre half. He doesn't play anywhere else on the pitch. That he doesn't right. play at right back, right. and he does certainly doesn't play at right back, and he certainly doesn't play as a central uh, as a defensive midfielder for me. No, I mean, James Ward-Prowse covered every blade of grass he could possibly cover against Man, you know, Man City. He was all over the show, but he had to be because the midfield was getting overrun with Jack Stevens in there. It got absolutely overrun. Yeah, to I mean, and it's no got... surprise. It's no surprise. The goals all came from midfielders for Man City. Yeah. De Bruyne, Gundogan, Mares. I mean, and for me, um, look, it's disappointing because Saints were in that game right, right up until the third goal Saints were right yeah, in the contest yeah, that, that, and that's the Alex thing. McCarthy the thing is you're sat there watching the game Mark yep. right and you know Saints did well to win the penalty okay yep. James converted it and you're sat there it was a bit of a soft time, it was one each it was a bit thinking, of a soft penalty we're in we're in this yep. game yep. you know we're in this game um, and even yeah, and then the right the, the, the thing that you would have been saying at 2-1 is Let's let's get in at half time at two one, assess the situation, yep. come back out, you know, and apply ourselves in the well, same manner. Ironically, you, know, you and I were on a watch along saying, "Let's get to half time at two one because yeah. we're still in the game." Yeah, and then the and then Alex the, McCarthy horror show began. Well, there was a, there was a oh. few of them uh, on Wednesday night. I mean. Oh, he had a mad. Surely, I mean, I'm not one for telling Ralph how to do his job. No, no, but no. Surely he's got to look at that situation because uh, there was, I think it was the third goal, right, where you had pointed out he only had one little bit of the of the goal that he needed to protect, oh. and and but then. Probably the second goal was just as bad because he pushed the ball out the oncoming pants and he played. It was actually it was it was a diagonal ball. So it's a diagonal ball down the left, which picked out Zinchenko's run down the left. He squared it to Foden in the area. He yeah. shot first time across goal. McCarthy yeah. puts his left hand out, parries it directly in front of him, straight into the path of yeah, De Bruyne. No, he a... doesn't push it to the side. He parries it straight in front of him, right to De Bruyne's feet. He just goes, thank you very much. It looked, I oh. mean, I've, look, I've got a little bit of a small up, but it, it looked <laughs> absolutely horrendous, mate. Oh. I mean, I'm trying to get the image out of my head. <laughs> that, that's how bad it is, you know. Uh, but... Yeah, I think, I mean, Ralph needs to look at that situation with the goalkeeper. I mean, yeah. I mean, you know, we've seen, we've seen in the first half of the Sheffield United game, right, that maybe Fraser was a little bit apprehensive, right? Yeah. But, when, but certainly by the second half, he was coming for balls and, yeah. you know, Definitely. doing what needed to be done. 
Um, and, you know, I'm not one to tell Ralph his job, but I think the oh. time's come to give Fraser his head, Absolutely you know, right. give him his right. opportunity to establish himself back I mean, as the number one goalkeeper at Saints. I think it's nothing venture, nothing game. Ralph made six changes. He's obviously rotated it with a view on Sunday, which is a massive game against Yeah, Brighton. no, 100%. And, you know, look, and, and, if we and, go out on Sunday... Is, Mark, Mark yeah. the thing is, I agree with the changes. Yeah. I yeah, agree with all the changes, The point I was making was, nothing to be ashamed of in the result, in the fact that if it hadn't been for the fact our goalkeeper had a calamitous afternoon or evening, we were in that game without our first choice 11. So six changes made wasn't our strongest team. Yeah. But we gave a really good account of ourselves and we were very unlucky due to the calamitous situation with Alex McCarthy. We were very unlucky to be behind at half time and to lose by that scoreline, absolutely flattered Man City because they barely even got out first gear. 100%. We played very well, to be fair. If we can play as well as that with a stronger team against Brighton on Sunday, then I'm confident we get three points. But and I, then I really... the Man City result doesn't really matter. I'm really happy, right? If he if he rested, I mean, it's obvious he rested Carl Walker Peters, right? Because you, you just didn't want to run the risk of him getting injured yeah. again. He is that important, right? Yep. Obviously, Milamino didn't play for the same reasons, right? Yep. Um, and I'm assuming that the reason why he decided not to play Fraser was because he's re- he's resting him for the next two games because they are major that they'll shape our season you know i mean you know we've got we've got brighton on sunday yep doing kickoff people if you didn't know yeah and then and then you know the the bournemouth game quarterfinals fa cup and that's the following saturday at 12 15 you know and the the thing is is I, i won't have a problem as long as i see you know, Fraser in those two games, to see yeah. Milamino playing in those two right. games, and I see Cole Walker-Peters playing in those two games, and then yep. I'll think the selection was vindicated. You know, absolutely, as long as absolutely. he plays them in all all yep. those games, then that selection for me on absolutely. Wednesday night was vindicated. But yep. Absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that night, that brings us really nicely to the end of the review of Saints two Sheffield United nil and Man City five Saints two so yeah we're going to take a very short break and when we come back we'll do Saints club news for you it's the two marks CNH on the two Saints show Fiesta 95 FM welcome back everybody so Saints club news Ralph Hassan who was informed everyone that Danny Ings is out for about three weeks with what is a suspected groin problem Ralph Hassan who was praised Nathan Teller the B team lost 3-1 to Blackburn Rovers the under-18s drew one all with West Ham. Southampton FC women are in the Vitality FA Cup action again in April, which is great news for them. Southampton support level playing field. Saints celebrate a million followers on Instagram. Utility uh, train at home with the Saints coaching hub is launched and sportsbet.io goal of the month for February. So Danny Ings out for about three weeks, Mark Bollocks. So he's back fit after the international break, allegedly. Yeah, I mean, I mean they basically misses, he misses, you know, he misses City the other the other night and um he'll miss uh Bournemouth and Brighton games. Yep. So Well on the on the plus side, Danny, it gives you enough time to work out what you need in your contract in order for you to stay at Saints. So you can sign it. Yeah, I mean the thing the thing is is if if there was a time for him to get injured and come back, it is actually probably now, even though yep. the next two games are pivotal in the season. But the thing is is 
He's also got the international break, the recuperate. So, you know, hopefully by the time that the international break's over, he's back ready and firing on all cylinders. Um, But, uh, yes, I mean, you would hope that maybe there might be other discussions going on during that period with the football club, but we'll wait and see. Yeah, definitely. So, Ralph Hassan, who was full of praise for youngster Nathan Teller after he played a significant role in Saints 2-0 victory at Sheffield United. The 21-year-old only started his second Premier League match, played up front at Bram Lane, caused all sorts of problems for the home team with his bursting runs through the middle after half an hour being the catalyst for the crucial breakthrough. Yet, Ralph said, this energetic young guy is one of the jewels we have in our academy. I'd like to push him. I think he showed today that as a striker, he's not so easy to defend. Yeah, as an attacking player, he certainly proved a thorn in Sheffield United side. And um, long may it continue. And he does actually look as though he's the one, Mark, as you've said, that might actually step up from the academy and turn a few heads. Yeah, 100%. I mean, the thing is, is that the the sad thing, I suppose, with Mark is that he actually didn't come through our academy. We picked him up Arsenal exit trials, but but having said that, he but does you, look Arsenal. he does look that he's head. You know, there's been false dons before, um, yeah. and you know I'm talking about since Matt Target, which was the last one really to make. I was thinking of I was thinking about Nathan Teller, and I was trying to think of players that he reminded me of early days, yeah. Yeah. very early doors, and. He reminds me of a very, very early days, Alec Chamberlain. Very, very early in his career, before he sort of really broke through. Right. He's got that it's little bit funny. about him that Alex had about him. Funny you said that, right? Because one of one of the youngsters that I really rated, and we never got to see the best of them, best of him. Swansea did though. Was Nathan Dyer? Nathan Dyer. Yep. And yeah. And that is, funnily enough, who he reminds me of is a yeah, little bit of Nathan Dyer. That. Well, it's not it's not bad company to be uh, to be in, is it? Alex Oxlade Chamberlain, Nathan Dyer. Oh, no, <laughs> you know me like those two. I'm done too bad. Definitely not. Definitely not. You know. Um, but the thing the the thing is is and you know it's in his locker. His secret weapon is his searing pace. You know. Yeah, oh yeah. Um, and. You know, there's no reason against the likes of Brighton who don't, you know, Ben, ben White worries me a bit because he's more mobile than, say, Lewis Dunk, okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the likes of Dan Byrne aren't particularly quick to play yeah. for Brighton. So yep. he should have a field day there. And well, hopefully so. with some of the Bournemouth, you know, centre-halves, like of the Chris Methams and people like that, because of his pace, he should have a field day. Thing is, Mark, if he can add goals to his pace, uh, we could have another Rob Wallace on our hands. Yeah. I'll take some of that. Thank you I very mean, much. I mean, the, the the secret, definitely the secret with him, mate, is, uh, and uh, you know, it's a it's a modern day tactic in football, right? It's the ball in behind. Oh yeah. You know, if he oh, if, if the ball's played to him, you know, it's play, and it's played in behind that area where yep. centre centre-backs don't like to go yep. and he's quickly latching on to it you know yep. it all bodes well it all bodes well oh, yeah and if anybody wanted to know where his runs in behind were coming from without Shane Long in the team we might have found one yeah you might we might, we might have the you know possibly 
Sometimes they say only smarties have the answer, but we won't have the answer on this podcast. Well, you never know. You never know. Anyway, so um, Saints B team lost 3-1 to Blackburn Rovers, Mark, and the youngsters, the under-18s, won, uh, drew one over West Ham. So definitely a better result for the under-18s. Poor from the B team again, though. Surprise, I know, 100%. Surprise. I mean, it was 5-2 five, five the lost, I think it was, wasn't it? 5-2? 3-1. 3-1. Well, a little bit better than I thought it was then. But <laughs> having said that, I mean, I don't, I don't know what I can really say about the B team now because I don't get to go and see them, right? It's very rarely that they stream the games, which is another bugbear of mine. I've got to say, Mark, yeah, yeah, they, yeah. they should be, you know, the club should be streaming the B yeah. games when they're Absolutely. playing. You know, whether perhaps you should I mean, um, perhaps you should email support relations, Mark. Yeah, may- maybe, maybe. But uh, you know, the thing is, is and you know, it's a sense of frustration for me because I like yep. to go and watch the beating. Yeah, um, so, but all all I would say is, is it it's disappointing and it looks like relegations on the cards there. Yeah. You know, well, the, maybe that's the not a bad thing. Teams that don't have relegation, which is a godsend. So, yeah. So they can't get relegated. But the B team, I think, rele- relegation's on the cards. I mean, the thing maybe is, that's what the B team needs. I find it strange that when when you have championship clubs in there, like obviously Blackburn that we played, right? Yeah. And Derby, you know, they they will put more experienced players in. Yep. Right? Because you are allowed to play overage players, right? Yep. But our, our philo- I get our philosophy, but I just think to myself, sometimes, are we are we dumbing ourselves down by putting, you know, 17-year-olds, 18-year-olds in, you know, in what, what essentially is an under-23s league? Yeah, 100%. 100%. Yeah, I think um, it's, that, it's, a, it's a recipe for disaster, isn't it? I, I just, I, I don't see where you're breeding confidence, right? It's, it's still a team game, right? And okay, they might be able to pick out their individual better players, the coaches, right? From, from the from the B team. But at the end of the day, it's still a team game. And I still say that if you're not winning games of football at that stage, at that stage, because... The B team's not about development for me. That happens when you're in the under-18s, okay? Yep. You know, and, and, and I don't see where, if you're losing every week, where's that bringing any confidence to you? Exactly, yeah. Because exactly, yeah. it's all in the mindset, as you it always is. say. psychology. It's in the mindset. It's psychology. It is psychology. Psychology yep. is as much a bigger part of football these days as effort and skill. No, and I, I don't care if you go on a losing streak. Yep. You never get it back. You don't, no. you know. That's right. Actually, well, moving on, talking about teams that do have winning runs and are, are very consistent. Southampton women. The FA of today confirmed that Southampton FC Women's Vitality FA Cup campaign will be allowed to resume next month with potential fixtures against Plymouth Argyle, Yeovil and Luz FC. 
Their season was halted at the back end of last year following government advice. And while the league season remained on pause, their ex- exploits in the Cup will continue in April. Marianne Space Cow side faced a second round match with Plymouth Argyle on Sunday, 4th of April, before potentially facing Keensham Town or Yeovil in the third round, followed by Lewes in the fourth round, should they progress. There will be a further review of the competition should national lockdown and government restrictions be extended beyond the 29th of March. In such circumstances, the FA will issue a further update. Great news, Mark. Well, let's hope they're not, but it is fantastic news. I want, I want to start playing Fiesta by the Pogues now, because yep, I think we'll... hopefully the fact that they're resuming the FA Cup will mean at some stage they'll resume the league. Yeah, all I'm going to say is... Yeah, anyway. So, thank you for that musical interlude. But, in all seriousness, right, I mean, my greatest hope on the back of the restart in the FA Cup is that the league starts up in some form, even if it's a reduced number of matches... And, yeah. and they get their hands in the trophy and they finally get that promotion because the girls really deserve it. And again, yeah. you know, if the opportunity arrives at some point, you know, I'll, I'll you know, I'll go down there and watch them. But I, I believe Absolutely that all right. the season tickets got snapped up that were in that much. That about right. three, what was it 300 or something like yeah. that? So yeah. probably wouldn't, probably wouldn't get in <laughs> much to be fair. But no, um, very, very true. But, uh, Oh, I mean, the thing is, is it's great that they're back. You know, I mean, I mean, to be honest with you, that's the one, probably the one really, really big positive at the minute with the club. You know, yeah. I mean, yes, the first team's doing well, but I mean, the the women really do deserve a lot of credit, mate. To be honest, and I just want to mention, I do, I did think that the one-one draw that the under 18s got marked was very credible. Yeah, I, I was. I was pleased for them, you know, because as I say, that again is a different a different side to football where it is about development and it yeah, is absolutely. about nurturing and it and it also is about confidence and it is, you know, I'm gonna say it again, it's still about results, you know. Yep, so hundred percent hopefully the fact that they got the draw, you know, at the weekend gives them the shot in the arm that they need, you know? Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. So moving on from there, Southampton Football Club is proud to have been once again supported in the level playing field weeks of action, which ends on the 14th of March. They're not only used to highlight notable developments, but also to provide inspiration to organisations on how they can improve. Level playing field seeks to promote a positive and inclusive experience for disabled sports fans during its weeks of action. So it's all about um, access and inclusion. So, yep, well done Southampton Football Club supporting that. Fantastic. Also celebrated a million followers on Instagram. Yeah, all I'm going to say on that is, you know, if you haven't heard of Level Playing Field, go and check them out. They are a good organisation. Yeah, absolutely right. And Saints also celebrated a million followers on Instagram, which means absolutely nothing to me. <laughs> so, Mark, Mark, is that a million? Just just clarify for this, because obviously we spoke about it on our radio show. So this is basically... Just, just for people that don't know. Right, so this is basically a million people since its inception. So since the date launched until now, a million people have engaged with that page. That doesn't mean there's a million Saints fans. It's just literally a million people have engaged with that page. That's it. 
That's not fans. Yes, but but let the and two fans today is a problem. You said bots, to me off. Yeah, you said about bots, <laughs> didn't you? Two fans are probably because I, I was sat there and I said to you, "Come on, let the listeners in their secret." I said to you, "There's not a million support side supporters out there <laughs> no, not in the world." Not I'm not, not buying it. I'm well, if there is, if there is. If there is, I'd like a couple of them that are quite well off to step forward and invest in the club, please. <laughs> yeah, same here. Yeah, Utility uh, with one of, uh, of obviously Saints' official energy partner are supporting grassroots football by launching the Saints Coaching Hub. To help launch the hub, Saints first team trio Shad Adams, Jack Stevens, and Carl Walker Peters surprised local team Littleton Junior during one of the regular online coaching sessions with Saints Foundation. So, another really good initiative by Saints Foundation launching online coaching, Mark. Yeah, no, I mean, look, it's, impo- it's important across the board, whatever age you are, um, given the situation that we're in. Um, again, it helps with people's well-being. So, you know, again, like you said, another great initiative by the charitable arm of the football club, the Saints Foundation. So, well done, you know, Greg and his volunteers. Absolutely right. So, moving on now to the sportsbet.io goal of the month for February. So, you've got James Ward-Prowse's strike against Newcastle, Danny Ings's volley from Stuart Armstrong's cross against Wolves, and Kazim Alegbe's goal for the youngsters, which was, I must admit, against Man United. And it is an absolute belter from the edge of the area, right in the top corner. Yes. Bends it away from the keeper. I think he's goal. the next, And it's actually my favourite. I think Kasim's the next one after Nathan Teller, if yeah. I'm honest. If you right. score goals like that, people start taking notice, that's for sure. Um, right there, Mark. Absolutely right. Yep. I mean, uh, for anybody that hasn't, hasn't seen the goals, just go on the... the the club's website, have a look, okay? Now, you sit there and you go, yeah, Danny Ings, quality goal, right? You sit there and you go, Ward Prowse. Some people might say standard, but I still say quality free kick, right? But when you see Kasim's goal, you just think, there's your winner, there's your winner, (laughs) winner, winner, chicken dinner. Absolutely right, absolutely right. So that brings us to the end of Saints Club News. So we're going to take a short break and when we come back in the second half, we'll be doing other football news, Saints in the press and Saints transfer gossip and the Two Saints preview of Saints versus Brighton and Hove Albion. We'll be right back. The Two Saints show here on Fiesta FM. Tune in every Thursday for informative football chat and great tunes. Welcome back, everybody. So other football news, managers, ins and outs and new contracts. Mick McCarthy, manager signs new Cardiff City deal. Harry Kuehl sacked as Oldham manager after seven months in charge. Derek McGuinness exits Aberdeen after eight years. Joachim Lowe is to leave Germany manager role after the European Championships. Stephen Gerrard says more to come after Scottish Premiership title win. And then after that, we have Coventry City confirming their return to the Rico Arena. And Patrick Van Onholt, Crystal Palace defender, racially abused on social media. So the first one of those, Mark, was obviously Mick McCarthy signing a new Cardiff City deal. Yeah, I mean... I've got I've got to say, Mark, he's been a revelation since he's come back in the English football. In done bad, uh, is he? Welsh football, if you like. Um, because basically, I mean, Terry Connor and himself went out to Cyprus and it was a bit of a disaster. And he's he's come back 
and he's absolutely revitalised Cardiff. I mean, the yeah. thing is, is you know, most commentators were saying that there needed to be a root and branch approach in terms of you know changing around the playing staff and all that there. Yeah. You know, and obviously Neil Harris was struggling with them. Bearing in mind that I think that they'd finished in the playoffs or just outside the playoffs last season. Um, but, you know, uh, Mick, Big Mick McCarthy's gone in there. He's got a tune out of the players. I mean, Kiefer Moore has been scoring goals for them left, right and centre. Yep. Um, you know, I mean, all... Always was going to come good anyway. I mean, he's, he's, a, he's a good striker at the end of the day. But, um, yeah, I mean, they've been playing some great stuff under uh, Mick McCarthy. And am I surprised that a new contract was offered? No, I'm not. I, I believe yeah. that him and Terry Connor only had a contract till the end of the season, till yeah. this, you know, till Cardiff seemed where they were. So, yeah, yeah. You know, good good luck to him and, and yeah, best move forward and all that. And then obviously we move on to Harry Kuehl. I mean, this one's a bit of a baffler for me because the last job he had was sort of a, uh, it was a no-win situation because he took over at Crawley, okay? And he did do a decent job at Crawley. And then obviously all them, all them have obviously appointed him and they're obviously hoping Let's not be struggling in League One. You know, this will be the man to sort of progresses. Yep. Maybe, maybe as a secure League One side, you know, pushing maybe for the playoffs. But it just seems they have backfired completely. Um, and you, you do wonder as well, you know, from from Harry Kuhl's personal point of view, after being fired by Oldham, you do wonder where his managerial career now goes, you know, because you, you sort of sit there and you think he's not going to get a, a a chance at a bigger club in this country unless he goes to manage in, dare I say, Australia. You know, but you do you do wonder what's sort of going to happen there. But I'll watch it with interest, see what happens. With maybe, him. Um, who knows, Mark, maybe he'll end up north of the border. I mean that that is mate, that's always a possibility. There's lots of people that have gone north of the border, you know, after struggling in England, you know, and they've revitalized their careers as manager and then right. they've come back down south to manage manage, you know. Absolutely. And so then we've got Derek Talking McGinn. north of the border, Derek McInnes. Oh man, like I, I know you're an Aberdeen fan as well, Mark. I know Aberdeen's your Scottish team. I not talk too much about this on the radio, but as you know, the only other pa- passion I have, apart, apart from obviously Saints and Distillery, which was my local team yeah, over, yeah. but they're rubbish. I mean, you might as well go watch kids <laughs> play on Southampton Common, but, you know, they're well, still close yeah. to my heart. But obviously the other... The other Thing that I'm passionate about is Aberdeen because, yep. like in Southampton, I have an aunt and uncle, or I did have an aunt and uncle. I've got an aunt, uh, um, you know, in Aberdeen, I had an aunt and uncle, and only my uncle's still alive up there. Yeah. Um, and when I heard the news, the, the, the other thing that surprised me about it, now that I've had time to sort of get my head around it and listen to one or two things. 
the manager never even got the opportunity to say goodbye to the players. Um, it was that quick of a decision. Um, and I'll be honest with you, Mark. I mean, you look at the stats, and yes, we've been struggling, right? But it's it's like I sit, I sit there and I think to myself, you know, effectively, Derek McGuinness over the last nine, eight, nine seasons, you know, he's got Aberdeen back to being sort of the third best. And, and really, that's all Aberdeen can hope for because yeah. you're never going to break the old firm dominance. Yeah. You know, that, that's the thing. You're just, it's not going to happen. You know, and I, and I think the treatment of him and the way he was dismissed, you know, it sticks in my claw. When I heard that he wasn't able to address the players and the players didn't know anything about it until it, it came up on news, you know, and you just sort of sit and think, in modern times, that's not the best way for a manager yeah, yeah. to leave a football club. But yeah, the other crazy thing, and that this is just nonsense, it's nonsense, right? And, you know, and I'll say this on the pod as well. I mean, I was listening to a discussion they were having, and they had a bloke on who does, you know, apparently he's responsible for an Aberdeen podcast, and he's... He's part of the Aberdeen supporters, right? And the nonsense that was... I mean, i mean, sometimes I think our, our Saints fans are deluded. You wanted to hear this bloke. This bloke was going <laughs> all about... You know, when he was asked, you know, who he wanted in charge at Aberdeen, he goes, Eddie Howe. I thought, no, <laughs> Eddie Howe. I mean... <laughs> Well, Eddie, Eddie wants I mean, a job in the Premier League, so he's out of luck there. Don't get me wrong. I'm sure the Aberdeen board are hoping to be ambitious with their appointment. But Eddie Howe, I mean, Eddie Howe doesn't travel well anyway. He gets he gets seasick on the road to London. Oh, he went to Burnley, couldn't hack it, went back to Bournemouth. Come on, exactly. he's not going to be ending. He, he couldn't mean, handle it. In, Burnley's cold enough. He won't be able to handle it in Scotland. It's even colder. <laughs> Can you imagine him in Aberdeen? You know, he's only a couple of miles from the oil fields, for goodness sake. Also, Eddie Eddie Howe's got his heart set on the Premier League, so good luck with that. Yeah, I know, 100 But, you know, again, sometimes you just sit there and you think about the mindset of some supporters. You just think, you are not on planet Earth, mate. Well, I think Eddie Howe Howe going to Aberdeen is about as likely as Joachim Lowe coming to the Premier League after he leaves his Germany post after the Euros. Yeah, no. Which is obviously our next story. 100%, because I think he, but before he gets here, and he will come here, you know, it's funny when you're to, obviously we'll speak about Joachim Lowe now, but it's funny you mentioned that, but my thoughts on it are is at, in the longer term, Jakob Lowe will turn up in the Premier League, but I think he may cut his teeth at one of the top Bundesliga clubs first. He, he may even be tempted, dare I say, to try and turn around uh, Schalke's fortunes. Oh. I mean, they've took a massive nosedive. I, I mean, they're, they're heading in the, Bundes, the, the Bundesliga too. Yeah. Um, so he may even be tempted to turn around you know, a club like that because it's a fairly big size club, you know. Yeah, no, fair enough. Um, right, but, but but having said that, I mean, I think 
it's more than likely that he might actually get the Borussia Dortmund job because things are a little bit up in the air there. Well, we'll see what happens on that one. Anyway, somebody who's um, moving ever onwards and ever upwards is Steven Gerrard. He says there's more to come after Scottish Premiership win with Rangers. Yeah, I mean, this one's so hard to gauge, man, because to be honest with you, it, it, it looked like it was on the cards from fairly early doors, right? And then there was setbacks in the Celtic camp because of different coronavirus things being broken, much like it was up in Aberdeen. Um, and then you had the fiasco of them going out to Dubai. Yep. Right? And the const- the furore and consternation that that caused because everybody was COVID-free before they went out. Yeah. And then they came back and two of the players had COVID. Oh, so you're sort of sitting there thinking, there's an advert for not going anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> you know exactly. I mean? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and, you know, when the government says stay at home, you know, <laughs> that's why they're saying stay at home, don't go anywhere. It's not difficult. But, uh, you know, I don't know that caused consternation within the Scottish government. Uh, everything is supposed to could go, wrong, could go wrong for Celtic this season. And then on the flip side of that, everything that could go right for Rangers went right. And I think, I think as well that, you know, Rangers have... They've bought well over the last. They've recruited well over the last few seasons, and of course, you know, Stephen Gerrard has a few wise heads around them. He I mean, Gary McAllister's there. He's got some sort of guru there as well. I've I've never heard the name of this bloke, but and but the recruitment by them have been, has been really good, you know. And the thing is, is they've bought players in for. Not a lot of money, and the squad now. You know, you look at the squad now, and they, obviously they've all increased in value. You know, you have the English players like uh, uh, James Tenier. Uh You've got Connor Goldston, who used to play for Brighton, uh, is up at Rangers. Both English. You know, you've got the midfielder Kamara that are new Saints were looking at. Uh, last summer, summer just gone. Um, you've you've also got the likes of, you know, Stephen our own Stephen Davis, Axiens player, went back up there. You know, and I know I know he's back enjoying playing football again because obviously he wasn't getting the game time with us, unfortunately. Um, yeah, really pleased he's won the title with him as well. You know, and, and you've got a few experienced heads in there. I mean, Alan McGregor, who, who you know, he he went back to, to you know play for Rangers and stuff like that. So, as I say, it's been a good win for them. And you know, I, I dare say that Gerard will build on the success. <laughs> I think it, 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 you know. With Celtic, we won't really see anything until they appoint the new manager. I mean, obviously, they've brought John Kennedy in there, who's Celtic through and through, and he'll be looking to sort of obviously try and improve results between now and the end of the season. But, yeah, whoever goes in at Celtic, I think it 
might be a bit of a rebuilding job, whoever the manager is. Yeah, I think you're probably right. So we move on to Coventry City, and they've confirmed after a 10-year absence their return to the Rico Arena, Mark. Yeah, I mean, look, mate, this has been an absolute disaster. You know, and and thankfully, you know, we never took on Sisu. Oh. You know, because don't forget, don't forget the trade. The, the trade. Yeah, we were close. Us. We um, were very lucky. I mean, it was it was all I would say as well was it was a little bit, you know, the people that own Coventry, but it was also a little bit to do with Wasps Rugby Club, yeah. where, who, funnily enough, Mark, originally from North London. Right, but they're playing their because they couldn't find a home and they they got a home in the Rio Arena. They couldn't agree, as I understand that they couldn't be agree about rents and leases and stuff like that. There, so effectively, Coventry City got bucked out, and they they then went on a you know they they went back for a period of time, but during that time. They played at the Sixfield Stadium at Northampton Town. And then the worst thing ever, for the last two seasons, they've been playing against one of their rivals, Birmingham, you know, yep. playing at one of their rivals grounds, Birmingham City, St Andrews. And, you, and I know that there's a group of company fans that will not set, face, set foot in St Andrews. You know, so it's just... Fantastic, mate! That they're back and playing in the city, and I'm so pleased for for the 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 Coventry City fans that you know have stuck by the club, and you know I'm just so pleased for them that their club is back playing in absolutely. their city. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, some slightly um disturbing news, not as good as the Coventry news. Patrick Van Arnholt, the Crystal Palace defender, racially abused on social media. Yes, people, it's back again because it's happened yet again. All, all I'm going to say on it, Mark, is when, you know, and I include everybody on this here, but when people stop taking the knee, right, yep. I've, I've still to hear what these club, what these different clubs or individuals are doing, right, other than not taking the day until yep. somebody comes up with something that's much more effective or, yep. or whatever it would be, please keep taking the day because it's still happening. And yep. until you absolutely ram the message down people's throats, they're not going to get it. I, I, I just, you know, I don't know where you're meant to go with it. And I just think to myself at the end of the day, just keep taking the knee because while it's still happening, you've got to take the knee because nobody yeah, else has come up with anything. I'm not seeing anything else that anybody's come up yep. with that's any better. No, I get that. Totally get that. So moving on, Hege Risa, the interim England boss to take charge of Team GB at the Tokyo Olympics. She did actually win gold as a player with Norway in 2000, but says she's honoured and humbled to be named as head coach of Team GB's women's football team at this summer's Tokyo Olympics. She'll combine the job of her current role as interim England boss and will be assisted by Ryan Wilkinson, who works in a support role with the Lionesses, with another coach yet to be announced. All I'm, all I'm going to say on this, Mark, and I know this is going to put a bigger smile to your face, right? I get the whole continuity thing, right? Because... 
most of the GB squad is going to be made up of English players. Yep. But, right, there's a but, and you knew there was going to be a but, right? <laughs> Shelley proven the Scotland manager left, right? So they've only just recently had a new manager. Wales have only just recently had a new manager, right? England have an interim manager. It's not even the permanent manager. It's an interim manager, right? And she's being given the honour of taking GB, not England, GB to the Olympics, right? And all I'm going to say to you, and I know it's going to sound like me being fast here, right? Or me getting on a soapbox, which it isn't, right? But all I'll point out to you is, is Kenny Shields, along with his son Dean Shields, has been in charge of Northern Ireland for the last two years. And it, it baffles me that because he's been in post for that long, you know, that it's not even a, it doesn't sound to me like it was even a consideration. And I just, I just sat there and I, although I get the continuity thing and I wish, you know, I wish. The, the GB team all the best of course you know I want to see them win gold at the end of the day you know but I just, and I get the continuity thing but I just sit there and I think for Kenny Shields not to be given any sort of consideration and considering that a lot of you know the Northern Ireland team as well they all have full time jobs you know, that, that's the other important thing to say. So it's a heck of an achievement for them to get to the playoffs, which I know you're yep. going to touch on next. How will we? Um, but, you know, good like, good luck. Good luck to GB. And let's hope that there's a first matter of players from the yep, from all the home nations. Absolutely right. Yeah, and speaking of home nations, Northern Ireland are to face Ukraine in the playoff of the Euro 2022 Women's Finals. So Kenny Shields' side will travel to Ukraine in the first leg for hosting a reverse fixture in a bid to reach a first ever major tournament. Two right. legs scheduled to take place between 7th and the 13th of April. However, they weren't originally scheduled to play the Ukraine, were they, no. Mark? No. Fix. Fix. Poor people Fix. think I'm being partisan. This is why I raised this. this There's no bias here, but there was a fix. It was fix. nothing to do with the fact that Northern Ireland actually drew the Ukraine. It was more to do with the fact that I was watching the draw live, right? And Ukraine actually came out to play Russia, right? And UEFA decided that Russia couldn't play the Ukraine. So the next team out of the hat was then going to be scheduled to play Ukraine and it was Northern Ireland. Now, I, I you know, it's, it's a little bit like Israel being in the European section, you know, when, when it comes to draws and stuff like that there. And I've always been an advocate of politics and sports should mix. Yep. You know, and, it, you know, it, it's such a shame. It's such a shame that Russia aren't playing the Ukraine, because at least that way through sport, you're breaking down barriers, Mark, you know? No, no I agree with you, Mark, I think, on that one. So, anyway, moving on. The American R Stadium is set to be renamed after Pele. Oh, th- this is fantastic news, mate. Honestly, as soon as I read this, I thought, thank goodness for that. For once, you don't have to have snuffed it before you get... Right. You know, the invite or the call or whatever you want to call yeah. it. Thanks, FC. Hurry up and get a statue of lorry put up. 
<laughs> you see, exactly, mate. Why, why do people have to be dead before they get honoured? Do you know what I mean? Um, but well, I, know, I just think it's fantastic news. And like you, you know, we're both of a similar kind of age. Yep. The one thing that always sticks out in my mind about the American uh, is the John Barnes goal. Oh, 100%. Um, unfortunately, England the England supporters, they expected him to do that every time he put on an England shirt, which was grossly unfair, to be yes, fair. It was. It but was. it was such a good goal. Such a good goal. But oh, anyway, we digress. But no, it's, fanta- it's fantastic news. And hopefully... Yeah. You know, besides the stadium being named after him, there's bound to be, you know, dare I say, once he passes, right, loads of statues put up. But you're right to make you're right you're right to make the point, Mark, that you know, let's see a statue of Laurie up there outside yeah. St Murray's. So so that he can appreciate it and we you know, we can all enjoy it in before before he passes it won't be difficult and if anybody remembers Laurie well enough they'll also remember that he did a very during one game or during one season he did a very very similar post to what his chairman did in the statue that's outside St Mary's Laurie's done an almost identical gesture at one point during his Saints career as manager so maybe you could mirror image what Ted Bates has done Saints and get a statue of Laurie up with his arm up to the fans a bit like Ted Bates put them side by side because that's where they should be yeah, no, hundred percent. And and there's there's no two people that have have had a greater impact exactly. on our football, on our beloved exactly. football club. Exactly why those statues should be side by yeah. side. Hundred percent, hundred percent. And the other thing, just just in case you know, there's people out there. I mean, there's loads of examples of grounds up and down the country where they've got more than one statue outside the ground. I mean. One, one place that springs to mind is Ipswich Town, where Alf Ramsey was manager and they won the First Division Championship under, under him, right? And So they've got a statue of him outside the ground. And they also have the statue of Bobby Robson. Yeah. Because obviously of the success that he had in the league and in Europe with them. See. Winning the UEFA Cup. Absolutely. So we're going to move on to the final story in in this section. Gordon McQueen's daughter Hayley wants a limit on heading after her father's dementia diagnosis. Hayley McQueen says there should be a change in the football laws to limit heading after her father, former Scotland defender Gordon, was diagnosed with vascular dementia. McQueen wants future generations of footballers to be better protected. Now the risks are more widely known. You don't go into football thinking you're going to get brain damage, she said. There are lots of footballers out there now thinking, is it me next? McQueen, a sports journalist and broadcaster, told BBC Breakfast Sally Nugent her father has no regrets about his career because no one knew of the potential risks. I don't think I realised how much my dad used his head, said McQueen. I didn't realise that it was over and over and over in training for years and years. You go back to childhood and head in the ball against the brick wall because if you didn't have anyone to play with, that's what you did. There have been moments when I said, I can't believe the thing that's given him so much love has so cruelly taken so much away from him. He scored some memorable headers. One of the pictures at home is him leaping into the air and scoring against Liverpool, and he's very proud of that. But he says he would have done things different in training if they were warned. You can't get angry about that. There's no one to blame. They didn't know. But we now know, and someone will be to blame if they don't do something about it. Absolutely right, and 
somebody will be responsible. Blood literally will be on someone's hands if they're not sorting this issue out. It's an ongoing issue. It's gone on for far too long. It does need to be sorted out. I mean, I think I think they've already decided that there is going to be limited head in training, haven't they? But obviously, you can't. The thing is, you can't do much about what goes on the pitch when the ball's up in the air. That's the only thing. But yep. um, all all I'd say there, Mark, is beautifully read, mate. You know, um, but but yeah, it's the the thing is is I don't. I don't know Gordon McQueen personally, but he just seems like the sort of individual, you know, he, he loved his career as a footballer. Yeah. And all, all he's saying is, is, you know, the, the, the nice thing to hear is he's not bitter about it in any way. And they're not bitter about it, but, but they do want safeguards put in place for future generations. Because like, like Haley says, in the article, you know, when Gordon was playing and when I was a kid, you didn't know the, the damage that you're doing with your head. But like, but like she said, and, you know, we had many a tall central defender ourselves that was always up in the head balls. You know, I think, I think of my beloved Chris Nickel, who's going through something similar at the minute. Dave Watson. And, and Dave Watson. You know, so we we all know that it, it it's commonplace and it's out there and it's fact affecting a certain generation, as I would say, of yep. footballers, and it'll continue to the effects will con- continue to be felt as okay. younger footballers get older. So it, it's not going to go away anytime soon. You know, that this is here for probably the next thirty. 30-odd years. And it isn't until they start reducing things. And um, I mean, I don't know how much you can do on the pitch, but certainly reducing it and training and everything else would be, you know, it's a start. It's a start. And of course, all the football authorities need to do much more than what they're doing. But, you know, I'm not going to beat them too much about it because... I think they're now fully aware of that situation, Mark, to be honest with you. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And it's up yeah. to them to grasp the nettle and run with it and make sure that things are done and safeguards are put in place. Yeah, it's got to be done. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of glad that Dawn Astle's heading up that sort of task force, as they called it. So that's good. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely fantastic. Right, that brings us to the end of that section. So we're going to take a, a break. And when we come back, we're going to do Saints in the Press and Saints Transfer Gossip. It's Mark C and Mark H. Mark my word, they're here with everything in the Two Saints Show. Right, welcome back, everybody. Saints in the Press and Saints Transfer Gossip. There isn't actually any transfer gossip, but that's the heading we normally that's use for this section. So use. Saints in the Press. At the moment, our psychologists are our wives at home, says Ralph Hassenhutl. Ralph Hassenhutl calls quarantine rules for players nonsense. Matt Letizia, Saints seem to believe in Hassenhutl. Ralph Hassenhutl, you get more pressure when you're not committing to one way. He feels Danny Ings can handle speculation about his future. Ralph Hassenhutl reflects on 100 games in charge of Saints. And Ralph Hassenhutl also saying next season we have to have a bigger squad. And the very last article is from the Daily Mail relating to Jamaica and the fact they're plotting to call up up to 10 England stars, including Mikhail Antonio, Damari Gray and Max Ahrens. But we're also led to believe Nathan Redmond has been touted as a possible recruitment 
recruit, sorry, for the Jamaican national team. Well, he's certainly not going to play for England, yes. so it's probably his best He's going to be one of the reggae boys. <laughs> so, at the moment, psychologists are our wives at home, says Ralph Hasnoodle. Psychology is a massive part of the game, Mark. Um, yeah, I can't say I'm surprised he's saying that, but um, all I would question is what sort of advice they're giving the players. And um, Alex McCarthy's wife must be having a right old tired time of it. <laughs> well, I mean, you do you do wonder. I, I get I get the sentiment of what Ralph's trying to portray there, but then you, you kind of think, hang on a minute. You know, if the wife, if the wife, <laughs> the wife potentially could be having a bit of a go, go. I mean. Or the partner could be having a bit of a go. Can you imagine if you're a striker, right? You've dandered into the house, right? And say, like a Shay Adams, you haven't scored for about eight or nine games, right? The way the way for the partner sitting there going, Shay, you need to get your act together. You know, you need to be start hitting the onion bag a bit more often, like you know. What's going on, so, Say? Do you want to talk to me about it? Either way, because oh, I know, I know a few outspoken women would be a bit like that with their partner. I could just see, I could just see Ryan Bertrand. Ryan, how you doing? I've noticed you've been struggling for form a little bit the last few games, Ryan. Would you like to come and lay on the couch and tell me all about it? <laughs> <laughs> well, that made you. He was probably shocked on on Wednesday night because I think he had a spell on Wednesday night at right back. Did, it? Uh, yeah, it was a bit of a shock <laughs> to the system. <laughs> But yeah, but um, no, it, it was just one of those things, you know. I picked up one, and you know, don't get me wrong. Like most most partners and wives are probably encouraging to their yeah. their their spouses and stuff like that. There. Yeah, look, we're not belittling anybody who needs a psychologist. Everybody, just to point out, we're having just having a bit of fun. Okay, no offense intended to anyone. Of course, just a, a bit serious, You know, it's a serious subject. Yeah, of and course, it, it is. you know, of course, who are you going to lead on? While you're in lockdown, I mean, you're—I I would say you're way, way more likely to go to your partner or your wife than, yeah, of course you will. probably even to go to the to go to That's the right. manager. And you may talk to the manager about about football matters, but yeah. you know, you probably go home and confide right. more to the wife and that yeah. in that sort of sense, like you know. Yeah, I'm talking about psychologists and this and that and things that affect you and things that you don't. Raf Hassenhul, who's called the quarantine rules for players nonsense, he's also refused to allow players to go on international duty due to the quarantine rules. So, uh, yeah, over to right. you, Mark. I'm, right. Well, all of, let's deal with the two separate issues, Mark, right? Because I don't think I made this very clear in the radio show, right? The point that I was making was I agree with Ralph in the sense of in, in this situation, because of the way the quarantine rules are, right, to me, nobody from our football club goes on international duty, unless it's a home game, you know. Uh, and when I say home game, I'm talking about home internationals, you know, I'm talking about that sort of thing, unless they're playing on, on British soil. But even then, there's a risk to the team that's travelling in to play them. So, look... The bottom line for me would be, I'm totally with Ralph. I don't think anybody should be called up for any of these international games. I think having international games in the current climate is a nonsense. I don't care whether it's, you know, a, an important fixture, you know, like a World Cup qualifier or something like that, or whether it's a friendly, I wouldn't be having them, right? But and I wouldn't be having them for the simple reason is there's quarantine rules there, and why should it be any different for 
you or me or any individual that listens to this podcast, right, I don't think it should be any different for any of us than what it is for a footballer, right? So they should have to go through the same quarantine that everybody else is having to go through at the moment. We move on to the next article. Saints legend Matt Letizia insisted Ralph Hasenhutl has not come under pressure despite the club's wretched run, run of Premier League form. I haven't heard any rumblings from within the football club that there's talk that he's about to lose his job. Yep. He, You're not kidding, Sherlock. How long did it take you to work that one out, Matt? Because the rest of us worked it out some time ago. But you see, I blame the main, mainstream media for that, right? I even blame the local press because that is blatantly people just going the map, you know, going along the map, picking up the phone and going, hello, it's such and such from such and such a paper, yeah. right? What have you heard, Matt? Because we're, we're getting rumblings here that, you know, he's he's going to be out the door. You know what I mean? Yeah. Matt Latiz is no, he may be an ambassador for the football club, but trust me, right? And, and he's an ex player, right? Yep. But ex players, right? And being ambassadors of the football club yep. doesn't mean that you have any more inside information than Joe Blogs on the street. To be fair, it's probably more case of. Oh, right. Um, yeah, Matt, we're led to believe, Matt, that, that somebody's going to be questioning you in, you know, within the next couple of days, asking you what your take is on the situation with Ralph. Can you just go and trot out your normal line that, as far as you know, everything's at the club's fine and there's no rumblings of anything going on? You know, the usual stuff you do because you're an ambassador for the foundation. You know, can you just, you know, let them know if it's fine? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not a problem, lads. Not, not, not a problem. Pleasure to help. Thanks, well, Matt. It's yeah, a no nonsense, Mark, isn't it? It <laughs> yeah, really is absolutely. a nonsense. It's absolutely. like it's like it's like people scrambling around for a story, yeah. right? And and you wouldn't go to Matt Latez if you were looking for a story anyway, because Matt Latez will play a straight bat. It's like you don't go to Frolly for a story. Yeah. You know, you might go to somebody like Darren Ben, say, for a story, because he comes out with some whoppers, like... Because <laughs> <laughs> you know I mean? he talks absolute nonsense. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But, you know, uh, you know I mean, yeah, no, especially, I especially the well-respected people around yeah. Southampton Football Club, yeah, you know, right. they're not going to come out and give you anything that's... It's, it's not that. Yeah, you know, if Matt gave any sort of indication of anything, He'd be looking at the way former ex-Saints have been treated by the club in the past, and he'll be sat there going, there's no way I'm opening my mouth. I'm just going to toe the line. I'm going to yeah, be a good exactly, boy. Exactly. Yeah, which is exactly, exactly. it. Yeah. Anyway, so we'll move on from there. And he's, a club, more... he's The other thing to say is he's a club man. Anyway, yeah, anybody I'm... who breaks lines aren't really loyal to their clubs. You know, the thing is, is... And I'm quite proud of that, that, you know, most, most you know, the majority of Saints players, if not all the Saints players, yep. are very, very loyal to the football club. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. So we've got three more articles related to Ralph Hassan, who saying that uh, you get more pressure when you're not committing to one way. Ralph feels that Danny Ings can handle speculation about his future. Ralph Hassan, who reflected on 100 games in charge, his 100th game was against Sheffield United, which obviously we won. And also saying that next season we have to have a bigger squad. Yeah, I mean, all I'm gonna, I'm, I'm just gonna comment on the Danny Ings thing. I, I, I'm not. I don't really follow the train of thought because I still don't feel that. You know, I, I get that he's probably saying if he's scoring goals, you know, he's generating more interest. But I, I personally think that come the summer there'll be enough interest in him anyway 
from the Gallimuth. If yeah. that's what he's looking for, we don't know. You know, we're just talking about speculation here. You know, hopefully that isn't the case. But I, I would have thought by now there's an I mean, there's enough of an interest in him, you know, for for someone, you know, probably a team in Europe next season for to put an offer in, you know. Um and then we'll go on to, you know, uh, Ralph's hundred games in charge. I mean, yeah. all, all I would say is, is for me personally during that time, there's actually been more highs than there's been lows. Now that that might sound strange, given you know what happened last season, what what's happened recently, but I still take great joy from you know the things like. The win away at the win away at uh, Leicester, right? You know, after losing by that horrific score, winning there, right? I take great satisfaction during this period of time of beating Tottenham, you know, at home, which we don't yep. do that often, and he's done it yep. twice now. Yep. You know, there's the Danny Ings pearler that you can't shut up about, you know, <laughs> um, and. And also, there was the the game that got turned on its head where Harry Kane had scored. They got one up. It looked like Captain Frame was given the majority of the decisions in yep. the first half to Tottenham. We didn't look yep. like we were getting the stick. And then it completely turned on its head in the second half. You know, and that long-forgotten name, Josh Sims, helped to turn it round for us. He did. He did. I mean, the roof nearly came off the stadium that it day. Is, I swear to God, it did. Yeah, I seem to remember a quite stonking free kick from a certain captain of ours. It yeah. gave Larice no chance whatsoever. So I seem uh, to remember 100%. that quite well. So, yeah. you know, when, when I look back on it, on his 100 games in charge, it's definitely been more highs than lows for me. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Well, speaking of highs rather than lows, although I can't see where this is going to end up, to be fair, Jamaica are plotting an audacious move to call up 15 English stars, including Mikael Antonio, Damari Gray, Max Ahrens and Liam Moore, ahead of next year's World Cup. And most of them have already applied for their Jamaican passports. They have a short list of 15 players. Most of them are already in the process of acquiring their passports. Mikael Antonio is one of three Premier League players they want to call up, including... Nathan Dyer, which is part of the reason we included this article. Max, Terence, Damari Gray and Ivan Tony are waiting for England call-ups. Jamaica are plotting this move ahead of next year's World Cup in Qatar. So, yeah, you might well see Nathan Redmond in a Jamaica shot, man. Oh, I, did. I read this with real, real interest in the sense that, you know, obviously Jamaica have deliberately targeted people that are on the fringes. I think of the... Of all the people that are read that the targeted, the only person that I would say would still be in a ch- with a chance of an England call up would be Max Aaron's because he's so young. I mean, he's only twenty two, you know, and I, and I still I still think the best is yet to come from him. You don't yep. get interest from the likes of Borussia Dortmund and Bayern Munich if there isn't something about you. So. You know, I, I still think it's an early call for him. But certainly everyone else that was listed there, although they've all been on the fringes of the England squad, you know, the, the bottom line is that, uh, you know, it was it, it's more a case that those players probably won't get called up, 
you know. Yeah. And, and I agree with that. Well, why, why not? You know, why not? Surely everybody wants to play international football. You know, if you're yeah. if you're a professional footballer, you know, and, and why not go for go and play for the reggae boys? I mean, could you imagine if if Jamaica had an all eleven Premier League team? I mean, they would storm through their groups because they're in the Central America group. You know, they'd be they'd be probably beating America at the World Cup qualification. You know. But uh, yep. oh, good good luck to them if that's the route they want to go down. I mean, and, and like, like I said, you know, I, I just think that when you're a professional footballer, the one thing that you would regret is not having the opportunity to at least play international football. Oh, right. Even even if you have got your heart on playing for another nation, and they sort of knock you back or whatever. Well, I think to be fair, any I mean, caps don't mean quite as much as they used to years and years and years ago but then there's there's a lot more money in the game now isn't there to be fair there's more more international matches happening if you are able to get international football you will theoretically play for whichever nation you're able to play for if it means you get to play international football you know you get to play on the biggest stage in world cups and european championships and stuff like that which is arguably the biggest stage so it makes sense if you're a player, you're going to go to whichever nation is likely to pick you, aren't you? I mean, we, I mean, the, the the only thing I was going to say to you was was I that mean, doesn't mean anyone's we, a world beater. We actually benefit from that for yeah. for uh, Northern Ireland with yeah. uh, Mike Taylor because yeah. Mike Taylor was born on a an army base in Germany in Hanover, yeah. Yeah. right? And yep. because he was born there, he could play for any of the home nations. He yep. And he decided to play for us, and I'm so glad he did. <laughs> yeah, because there was a misunderstanding when he came, you know, when that all came about. It was a misunderstanding, Saints, that Mike Taylor was actually German, and he wasn't. It was the fact he was born there. Yeah, no, he was born on a yeah. British army, uh, yeah. yes. Anyway, so that brings us to the end of the Saints section, Saints gossip section. So we're going to take a very short break. And when we come back, last bit of the show today, which is the two Saints preview of Saints versus Brighton and Hove Albion coming up on Sunday. Right. Welcome back, everybody. So the two Saints preview of Saints versus Brighton. Last time out, Brighton were victims of a random VAR decision in a 2-1 Saints win. Grob with a penalty on 26 minutes, Vestergaard with an equaliser on 45 minutes, Danny Ings with a penalty on 81 minutes, Saints running out 2-1 winners. As I said, Brighton victims of a random VAR decision. And in the reverse fixture, it was Saints 1, Brighton 1. That was the 16th July 2020. Danny Ings in the 66th minute after a Mope. Their opening goal from Neil Mope, 17 minutes. And Danny Ings with an equaliser in the 66th minute. It ended up 1-0 to Saints. Yeah, so I mean, I'm going 2-0 Saints on this one, Mark. OK. Well, all I'm going to say is, I just on those two fixtures, um, I think... Looking at it, the game that was played this season at at the Annex, um, yep. I I would say Brighton can consider themselves unlucky not to have come away with a point. Let, let, yep. Let's be. Uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. I was highly delighted we got all three, <laughs> but you know, on reflection, you'd have to say that we're lucky not to come away with a point given the performance, but um. And then the game at St Mary's from from last season, Mark, 
that was, I mean, I remember that game. We had people like Jake Vokens playing for us and all sorts. And we've been on a good run of form as well. It was a baffler. I mean, the two, it was one or two games that I didn't get. I mean, because we were fantastic when it all started up again, right? When football, the restart, right? And during that period, I think we lost the Arsenal, which was a disappointment at home, right? And then the only other real disappointing result that I can remember was the 1-1 against Brighton. And he, he was playing, if I remember, Ralph was playing players out of position that night at all. So it was, it was a bit of a strange game. I remember sat watching it with, with you on the yep. watch-along and it was, it was a strange game of football. But in terms of in terms of the game on Sunday, I'm really tempted to go conservative again, right? Because my my attitude is is let's not if we can't win it, let's not lose it. Oh, 100 right? So on that basis and the fact that we're at home and Brighton, they play some great football under Graham Potter and. Funny enough, Graham Potter played in the famous six. Was it the three-one victory or six-three victory? But he played in one of those really famous wins at the Dell. Uh, I think it might have been the three-one. Um, yeah, I think it might have been the three-one. But he played in one of those two famous games, and he definitely did for Saints. Um, and he, and he's got bright. I mean, look, the thing is, is you know. Chris Hutton probably the style of play wasn't aesthetically pleasing. They do play good football, but he has the same fundamental problem that Chris Hutton had, Graham Potter, in that they're not effective enough in front of the goal. Um, And that's where the struggle, you know, they play brilliant football up until the 18 yard box, and then it's like, what do we do now? Um, so, it's such a hard one. See, I, I want to go. I want to go one-one, but I think I think my heart is turning around and saying to me, it's going to be another two-nil victory. Hopefully, so I'm, I'm going to go two-nil. It's a two Saints double. <laughs> They're both predicting two-nil. Yeah, well, here's a bit of good news for you, Mark. Well. Here's a bit of news for you, fresh from the press conference this afternoon with Ralph Hasenhutl. So this is breaking news, everybody. Good. Ralph Hasenhutl said he hopes Musa Gineppo will be available for the Brighton for the meeting with Brighton and St Mary's, but says he must make a late decision on the wingers' fitness. So yeah, Gineppo I, could be available. That'd be good news if he is. That's good news after him going out of the game, obviously, with what yep. looked like a growing strain. Um, yep. And Danny Ings I is mean, definitely I, out till the international break. The thing, the thing is, is I am. I mean, I know that he can be consistently inconsistent if that's possible, but I'm a Musa. I'm a Musa fan. I'd, I'd sooner, I'd sooner have Musa in the lineup or, you know, within the squad at least than maybe Andy Ethan Redman. To be honest with you. Yeah. Yep. No. Um. Yeah, I, I, I'm hoping that Misha will be fit because I do think he's an asset when he's available and we definitely need him. And with Danny Ings not being out, we need as many attacking options as we've got, to be fair. Yeah, but, I mean, I just think one of the things with him is he probably gets injured too easily, but then 
you know, yeah. you could lay that at many of the Saints players' doors. But I think one of the problems with Musa Gineppa, and Ralph's alluded to it in the press conference, is the fact that his body reacts differently to injuries and reacts yeah. quite strangely to injuries at times. So yeah. uh, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, hopefully he's all right, because he said that sometimes he reacts quite badly to an injury at the time and it feels a lot worse than it is. So it, hopefully this is one of the ones it, where... Yeah, hopefully this is one of the ones where he's kind of overreacted a little bit and it's hurt more at the time than it does. So hopefully it's just a, a minor twinge. Yeah, I always think that's all to do with physique, Mark, to yeah. be honest. Oh, 100%. 100%. Well, you yeah, know, it's going to take him time to adjust to the Premier League, isn't it? So, you know, once he gets used to the physicality and whatever, Sorry, be all right. I don't want to bore you here, but Mark, have you got an update at all on Theo Walcott? I mean, what is the issue there? He's been out with a hamstring. He's still out. He's still out of a hamstring injury. No update, unfortunately. Just uh, still a long time. Just haven't heard anything yeah, for a no, while. You know, no, that tells me it's a long time because he's not, he's not even been mentioned in the press conferences. Nobody's even asked. That, well, that's, that's why I have to ask you. So sorry, Lester's slight yeah, um, I have it on good authority, though. Saints have decided they're now going to launch a new book this week called Where's Theo? You've heard of Where's Wally? <laughs> so a new Saints book coming out this week called Where's Theo? And you've got to try and spot him in and around Southampton. <laughs> <laughs> last seen last seen at Staplewood, but I couldn't tell you when. Anyway, so that wraps things up brilliantly today. So we're both going for a 2-0 win against Brighton on Sunday. Come there on, you are. Reds. Let's um, hope for that. That'd be fantastic. Another clean sheet. It'd be very, very nice indeed. But that's it from both of us on the Two Saints podcast show today. So it's goodbye for myself. It's goodbye for me, people. You know, Hopefully you're all going to get your vaccines and you know, hopefully things will look a bit brighter. But in the meantime, keep looking after each other. Keep, you know, looking after each other. Keep treating each other with respect and everything else. And uh, hopefully we will see, oh well, you'll hear from us again next week. So thanks for listening. Hopefully there's been bits and pieces that you've enjoyed your Mark, Mark and I's rambling, so I'll shut up now. And just to say, keep keep well and stay safe. Absolutely right. And don't forget, you can access the podcast in the following ways. Just to remind you all, you can contact us via our email address, the Two Saints Podcast Show at Outlook.com, for questions or items you'd like to hear in future shows. You can listen to the radio show on Fiesta 95FM in Southampton and via onlineradiobox.com. Also, the Two Saints podcast show is now available via Spotify, SoundCloud, Overcast, Acast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Deezer, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music and Podbean, or via our Facebook page, The Two Saints Show, and our YouTube channel, The Two Saints Podcast Show. And all that's left for me to say is thank you for joining us on The Two Saints Show this week. Please join us again next week when The Two Saints go marching in again. Bye for now. Bye.